Yeah. Hi, this is Anthony Parent of IRS Medic. And with 87,000 new IRS employees looming on the horizon, ready to take our situation as it is and just magnify it. Boy, people have a lot of questions and there's a lot of angst. Particularly people overseas or people with offshore things, they have questions about what they should do. There's a whole bunch of people who are called accidental Americans. And they're wondering, should I enter the U.S. tax system? There's U.S. expats overseas. Maybe they haven't been in the tax system in a while. Maybe they want to leave. Maybe they want to expatriate. Maybe they just don't know what to do. Well, that's what this episode is here for today. For people, questions, real questions that our resident layman has been getting. Keith Redmond, he's been getting these questions. And so we're going to answer today. Helping us out today is the great John Richardson. So we're going to go through a lot of these questions people are having about their uh, U.S. Their, 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 how to deal with the IRS and how to deal with um, citizenship based taxation and maybe how to renounce citizenship. And I think we might touch upon some of the other issues that might pop up in the country that you're in. So with that, Keith, John, welcome. Keith, I want to start off with you. What's going on here? What is the uh, temperature? What's the pulse of reality right now? Well, it's interesting, you know, with the uh, discussion about 87,000 new IRS agents and whether that number is correct or not, it doesn't matter. There's going to be new IRS agents with the infusion of money into the IRS. And as a result, I've been getting a lot of queries. And as both of you know, and a lot of people who listen, I'm kind of with some people, the first stop people come to to kind of ascertain where do I go from here? Do I go and get U.S. tax compliant? Do I just stay with what I'm doing? Do I renounce? Do I not renounce? Do I get U.S. tax compliant to renounce, et cetera? And there are so many questions that are, are swirling around. And you have the Americans overseas population and you have the accidental Americans population and everything in between. And so people are asking themselves, well, what do I do? For example, um, you know, somebody who wants to buy a house or sell a house, but they've never been in the U.S. tax system. What does that look like? Should they just stay silent and keep moving forward with their lives? Should they not? And there are a lot of factors involved before one makes that decision. Does someone go to a U.S. tax professional and, you know, have them do a simulation to see what their tax liability will look like? Will it be prohibitive or will it be something that is manageable based on what they're trying to do? And I recognize that there's no cookie cutter approach because everybody has their own situation. But I've been getting some, you know, I've been going through and getting some pretty, um, some standard questions that I'd like to pose to both of you and just get your thoughts on it. Okay. That sounds great. You know what? And I would, I want to do that. And I want to start off probably with the biggest question we can get to right now. Yeah. And and I just imagine that this is the, the, the most pressing one that there's so many people who are in the U S tax system right now and they're overseas and they're trying to say, should I renounce right now? Is that a question you're getting Keith or am I making that up? Yeah, no, it is a question. They're like, okay, well, we see how things are going. Is this the time for me to renounce? And again, it's based on one's particular financial profile, familial profile, their links to the U.S., et cetera. So, yes, that is a fair question to ask. All right. Well, I'm going to let's go. Let's go with John. John, should they renounce? Should someone overseas who's who's an expat, who's running a business, who is worried about global complaint, you know, getting all their compliance in there with all the tricks, all the tricks the F- the IRS is doing. And I mean, they are tricks. They are tricks. Um, what do you say, John? Well, I do not say this with any great pleasure, but I think they need to get out as quickly as possible. Okay. I mean, unless they have a clear intention of moving back to the United States, and that, I mean, you know, for the last 10 years, it has gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. And um, I do not think that it is possible anymore for people to survive in any way other than a basic job and maybe one one or two bank accounts without problems. That is a sobering response. And we yeah. certainly have had um, some of our guests on here renounce and go through the, we've known a lot of people who've gone through the process, the very expensive process 
to renounce. And uh, the question then becomes, I guess, if we do decide to renounce, should we renounce properly or should we just say, hey, see you later? I'm not going to deal with you anymore. What would you right, say? Just to, yeah. Right, just to pay the $2,350 and get your certificate of loss of nationality and move forward or get become U.S. tax compliant and then do right. it and move forward. Or, or, or do it after you do, or do it after you renounce, if you qualify for that special program for certain Americans overseas that came out in September, 2019. So there's a lot of moving parts. So, um, those are the, the, basically the three, your, your three options are, do you just sort of, because, you know, it's not just one thing you are renouncing your citizenship and then there's also a process to leave the u.s tax system and those are the two things that happen so which one do you do both things everything nothing and that's kind of where um you know people have a lot of questions so john what do you what do you say is that do you think those are the people's options or are there other ones that we're not thinking of well i, I think that you know the options are, are first of all prescribed by law all right i mean let's talk about legal options uh Yes, uh, one can renounce U.S. citizenship without being tax compliant. I mean, you know, there's separate laws. That's just a simple, you know, fact of the matter. Uh, renouncing U.S. citizenship, uh, like everything else in the U.S., has a tax consequence, right? And the tax consequence is, well, there's two. There's the good, there's the bad, and the ugly, right? Or free, <laughs> right? free, the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, you know, the good is that you renounce U.S. citizenship and you cease to be a U.S. tax resident from the day of renunciation. So, uh, you know, I think, Keith, you're talking about buying or selling a house or something, you know. Just as an example, yeah. The U.S. has a capital gains tax on a principal residence, so you'd want to renounce before doing that. Uh, you know, the bad, of course, is that... Uh, you know, there is such a thing as tax citizenship since June 3rd, 2004. So, um, you know, the relinquishing U.S. citizenship or renouncing it at the present time will sever U.S. tax residency, but you do have to have a certificate of loss of nationality. And the ugly, of course, is uh, the whole exit tax issue, right, that applies to a certain number of people. And I think that... Uh, I think it's impossible no longer. I don't think it's really possible anymore for anybody who understands this to be neutral about getting out of the U.S. You know, and you know what? I want to circle back to that because your 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 answer was so strong. So I think we want to just like why is it so bad? And I I have some very good ideas, but I want to hear from you. Why is the U.S. tax? Tell me why it's so terrible. Give me some specific. Yeah. Questions. Well, you know what. I'm going to go back to 24 hours ago. Uh, I was having a consultation with a young woman in her 30s. And she's been struggling with this decision for a very long time. You know, she actually grew up in the United States. Uh, you know, I think I'm not, I think she's a dual citizen from birth. But the point is, she grew up in the United States. And she's living outside the United States and she is absolutely paralyzed in terms of moving forward with her life and in, in every respect. I mean, let's start with the whole, you know, what I think is now an obligation to engage in, in retirement planning and financial planning. She feels completely incapacitated from doing that. I mean, completely. Okay. You know, um, you know, and she mentioned the issue of, uh, you know, moving forward, with her wife and sort of a more social marriage type of thing. She doesn't want to burden, you know, somebody outside the United States with this. And I mean, I think that these things have varying degrees of objective truth, right? I mean, I think that it is possible, uh, you know, to work around some of these things, but what it is, it's, I think it, the U S citizenship disables people living outside the United States from progressing through life in a normal way. And, yeah. you know, and that rears its ugly head in all kinds of different ways. I mean, we can talk about things like, you know, small business corporations or this or that. But, I mean, unless you got a lawyer in tow or something like that, um, it's a real problem. And, and also, I would say, interestingly, uh, just before this call today, I was uh, having a conversation with somebody in another part of the world who just simply can't live with the stress of it anymore. Just can't. And by the way, yeah. I want to emphasize something here, okay? I want to speak very slowly, and I want to make sure you're listening. These are people 
who do and have made a point of being compliant with all of their U.S. tax obligations. Okay, so I mean, this is not you know this is these are our realizations they have come to as a result of really trying to live this. And that you know, is a year ago, I would say, wait, hang on, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now, these were both right. relatively young people. I have, not that my opinion matters a great deal, and I don't want to overdo it, but I've really got to say that um, the arguments for getting out of this are, have, have never been stronger, okay? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and, and, I, and, I, and, 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 and you know, you, you do. Excuse me for a second, Anthony. And you do talk about John, and it makes complete sense. You know, and it's important to stress that these are people who are in the U.S. tax system, and they've had enough. They just can't move forward. And then you have That's the other right. people. The, you have the other people who are in a quandary. They've never been in the U.S. tax system. What do they do? <laughs> They're well, like, well, where's the incentive? <laughs> I think the answer to what do they do depends on what they want, you know, what they want, what are they trying to achieve? What do they want their lives to look like? Yeah. I think that's really the question here. Um, and I, I think there are different answers. I mean, I would have a, a, a general predisposition, okay, uh, towards advising those who can get out by the book. Uh, you know, from both the tax and nationality side uh, to bite the bullet and do so. Because largely what they're doing is buying their, their life back so that they don't have to worry about this stuff on a going forward basis. Look, there's nobody on the planet who I think is more committed to the, the view that this is an extremely indescribably unjust system and set of laws. But I think that people, you know, they've got their lives to live and I think they need to move forward. And, you know, you know, Keith and Anthony, you know perfectly well that that most of the lobbying for change in this area is not even with a goal to severing citizenship from tax residency. It's a way of somehow making it a more perfect form of citizenship taxation. It's right. They got right. it out. The, the gaslighting is, is pretty significant, I have to say. The advocates are all the slave masters. They're saying, shut up, don't complain. It's perfect the way it is. Isn't this great what we're doing for you? They're we'll not just have carve-outs. Like, what's that? We'll just have carve-outs for specific people. Yeah, That's so, and, and those are the carve-outs. And let me, you know, and so here's, let me talk about the problem that I have from a practitioner's point of view. There are so many different penalties, and, and, and I have to think of two different sets of law. I have to think of Title 31 and Title 26 because of the FBAR and other foreign, foreign reporting. So there's two different standards, two different laws. There's various different reporting forms for various different things, carve-outs galore, depending on a treaty, um, depending on what happens. So when someone asks me a question, I do often wonder, did I just tell them the exact right thing because I didn't understand their, their question? Or did I just say the wrong thing? Because I, I didn't realize I said the wrong thing because it is so hard to keep track of every, every little single thing. And now we also know this, you know, and this is, I think, where you, you, you really get to the absurd part, um, that there's another report showing that IRS employees themselves are vastly delinquent with their, their tax filings. And it appears as if a rate that is higher than the public at large. I haven't done the math yet. Uh, just that story's out right now. So we have, I mean, that that's the fact. Okay, so we have a tax system that people working on the tax system can't quite comply with themselves. We have penalties that who knows? And it's awful. You get a call of someone, you're like, yeah, I don't know if you should file because I could see the risk of filing it and I could see the risk of not filing it. And you're trying right. to push this out. Which way do I go? And then the client gets another opinion. Well, that opinion might be right. And you're arguing, well, I don't know who's right. And uh, well, we all might be right. There isn't yeah. any cut boundaries and you drive yourself nuts. How yeah. am I really advising people? So I say, back off. You know what? If, if you want a solution to this, renounce. That's yeah. And it's, and, and there's no cookie cutter approach. Everybody's situation is different. I was just talking to someone the other day who's a Brit and she um, left the United States. How, how old was she? Nine months or eight months of age. She doesn't even have a U.S. passport. OK, she she has no ties to the U.S. She wants to renounce. 
but she's afraid that she's going to lose her shirt if she renounces and gets U.S. tax compliant. So what does she do? You know, it, well, it, it, so you have so many situations like that. Question. You know, and, it, and, and this is not her situation, but let's say she has a small business. OK, well, what's that going to look like if she becomes U.S. tax compliant and renounce? You, you see, it's, Short, it's a very. Short, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it's, it's also on the business thing. It's, it's very much a country by country determination. Yeah. Some countries, um, you know, these things, these small business corporations can be treated as pass throughs and others, they're deemed corporations. I mean, this is another big part of the whole injustice of the way the U.S. tax system impacts Americans abroad. It actually depends on what country they live in. And it's not right. just treaties. It's not just the treaty. Yeah, right. You know, if you it's look at the Treasury thing. regulations for the entity classification rules, Treasury made up a bunch of rules. So, you know, all except for some kind of a New, New Brunswick or Nova Scotia corporation, small business corporation in Canada is, is a per se corporation, meaning there's no opportunity to check the box, you know, et cetera. Uh, you know, you go to the UK or Australia, you know, and there are different options. But you know, nobody can know this stuff unless they have not only a full-time lawyer in tow, but the right kind of It's impossible. And that's the thing you just said there, John, and that's a question that I get a lot is um, if I need to go to a U.S. tax compliance professional, whether that be a CPA or a tax attorney, depending on their situation, what are the things that they need to look for in that tax compliance professional? And what are the red flags that they need to be aware of? when they find somebody vis-a-vis vis-a-vis even reasonable costing and so forth i can't tell you how many one last point i can't tell you how many people have gotten ripped off by u.s tax compliance professionals because they paid an arm and a leg and they didn't have to do it so these are questions that are out there swirling around can i i want to handle that i because here's how i here's the thing you need to understand when you're wondering who to hire to get help, the question you need to answer, and this is unfortunate, is who do they represent? Who do they truly represent? A great way to do this is um, see who their political, political donations go to. And honestly, if they're donating to anybody, <laughs> um, they're probably supporting uh, the system. So I would wanna make sure um, your professional's really on your side, that they're actually representing their clients they're not actually lobbying for more complicated rules so that now there's more abundant opportunity to charge you. Um, many people claim that this is what the big four do all day every day is they take all their substantial profits and they go to Congress to lobby for more and more compliance so that their clients have to pay them more money. Those people might be correct. I think those people might be correct. Um, that's what I hear from people at Big Four, and that's what the lobbying reports like that. And we even know firms like H&R Block do that same thing. H&R Block has lobbied Congress to make tax compliance more difficult, even in situations where H&R Block software messed up. It's, it's quite a story. So that is the number one thing I would say. Who do they actually represent? Because they might sound like they're on your side and then you kind of notice your arm getting twisted. Like, well, hey, look, I didn't come here for that. And then somebody might say, well, if you don't file this, I'll file a report against you. And, and that's a concern. So I would say maybe you want to make sure you talk to an attorney that you're getting legal advice. Say, look, I am merely getting legal advice of what the cost is, and then I'll take care of it from there. I'm not hiring you to engage me in tax compliance, but rather tax investigation. Um, that's what I would want to do. That way, hey, look, I'm just doing an investigation for you to see what it is. We'll limit to that. I'm in no obligation to file for you or anything like that. What you tell me is confidential, and um, we're going to keep it here. Um, and that's what I'd really be worried about because it's time and time again, as we get uh, cases, take cases over, um, yeah. we see that. We see the big four firms. We see the, a lot of the big firms telling people what they're going to do, charging huge monstrous fees for no yes. tax or yeah. anything, all for the wrong result. And so I don't blame why people don't want to contact anyone with good reason. They really do. You have great reason not to contact these people. They, they really will work against you because the fact is they've been working against you. You just haven't known that. Now I'll hand over to John. Okay. Let me uh, take a stab at that from a slightly different angle. Uh, so what I have 
the way I experience this, okay, sort of on, you know, when people are concerned with this whole problem is, you know, they say, well, you know, I want to know what it's going to cost me, you know, to come into compliance, you know, this sort of thing, right? And yeah. there is no way to know that, all right, without actually spending some time with somebody and understanding what their situation looks like and various options for running that through, uh, you know, what the U.S. tax system would be. What people need to understand is that for a majority of people, the work that's required is the initial upfront work of understanding the situation and deciding, you know, what is it they actually have to file, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So they, I think people need to shift their expectations a little bit, okay, in terms of what it is they're looking for, because it's, it's simply impossible unless you're dealing with somebody who has just a job on a bank account. It's impossible to pick up the phone and say, you know, what will this cost? All right. Because, you know, there are just too many issues. So that, that's the first point. All right. Second point is this, that I, you know, again, these are my opinions. All right. These are my opinions and um, they're the way I experience the world doesn't make them right. But I do think that uh, generally People ought to have a consultation, at least with somebody who does this kind of work in the country they live in, because, you know, they're going to be able to, that person is more likely to be able to interpret their, you know, say, UK tax return, you know, alongside, because they'll understand, uh, you know, more about what the retirement planning things they're engaged in and stuff like that. So, but that, those are sort of presumptions. Um. Now, that stuff that has to do with, you know, what does your situation look like from a tax point of view, a separate issue, right, from what it looks like is if you want to comply with this stuff, how do you get this stuff into the system, right? Uh, you know, would you get it in through, say, a streamlined or would you just file? Uh, would you file going forward only? Um you know, and, and then why are, you know, why are you doing it? Is it for renunciation? What citizenships do they have? Where do they get them? If they're only yeah. a million, is it the possibility of dual citizenship from birth exemption applying? I mean, like this stuff takes time. So, yeah. you know, somebody calls up and says, well, I want to know what's going on. I mean, just get off the phone. I mean, it's, they're asking right. it to be impossible. So it's unreasonable <laughs> for someone to ask. It's unreasonable for someone to ask, hey, John, hey, Anthony, can you just do a top line simulation of what it would look like? You actually have to get into the nuts and bolts of it to really see what their tax liability is going to, to look like. Thing, I that type of thing for somebody without being paid. I would never yeah. consider it. Oh, no, I know. That's where the work is. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. It's, it's important to know. It's important for people yeah. to realize that. It's, it's you know, essentially- at, at the, sorry, last point. At the end of the day, after you share with them, this is what your tax li- liability may, will look like or may look like, then they can make the decision on what they want to do. Yep. But essentially, you have to go up to that goal line. So it's basically doing all the work and then it's just yeah. like, sign it or not. Right. You know, and then that's up, you know, then leave that up to the client, whether they want to do. Um, you know, we've had we've had some people uh, renounce uh, over the past you know, few years and, and, you know, they seem like they're an enviable, enviable position. Um, now, um, I think really a question I'm going to have for John, uh, and you're going to like this one, I think, um, just to sort of highlight the absurdity, because I'm going to ask a question. John's got an answer in a way, and no one's going to, it's going to sound, you're going to expect John would say the opposite. But I'm going to ask John a question. I know his answer already. John, <laughs> what is the tax top, what is the top tax haven in the world? Which country is it? Oh, there's no question it's the United States of America. There's absolutely no question on that. In fact, you know, if you're looking for a tax haven, if you're a U.S. citizen, renounce your U.S. citizenship and then put your money there as a non-resident alien. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely right. The number one tax shelter in the world is United States. And, and this is sort of where I look. There might be something going on behind the scenes with our with our with our tax code that. It's really funny that you can get every tax benefit in the world is if you if you have your money in the U.S. 
And not only that, there will be no information sharing with any right. country. Right. No, we don't spare money to anything. And then you also, there's various ways to put it in a corporation that very difficult to find your interest. Uh, for instance, a, um, uh, a Las Vegas corporation. Now there are reporting requirements with the IRS, but if you're trying to hide things from your own country, oh my Lord, it's the easiest place, easiest place by far. The issue is this, you need to have money. That's the thing. If you're working, ooh, it doesn't work so well. But if you have plenty of money, by far, no question about it, the United States is the best tax shelter in the world. I've done um, some content on a, on a particular tax shelter that I think is the best. If, if I had the resources, this is where all of my stuff would be in. It'd be a private placement life insurance policy. It's something that's allowed by statute. You, uh, you put all your investments into a private placement life insurance wrapper, and then you borrow from the death benefit tax-free for the rest of your life. No state tax, no, 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 no anything. That's the number one tax play. The, the problem is you got to be wealthy to get it in, in, in the first place. So that's to understand really what we're talking about, the complete absurdity or whatever the, the most likely result would be, that the tax code favors the strong and it punishes, punishes, hammers the weak. Um, yeah. No yeah, the average person. That's right. I think what people need to understand on a more pedestrian level, because most people don't have those kinds of resources. No. <laughs> That's right. So, US, no, I don't quite either. Not yet. Not yet. Working on it. Yeah, yeah and I, nor do I. Uh, but I mean, the U.S. tax code is designed, like, like perhaps other countries, designed to attract foreign capital to the United States. Mm -hmm. This is done, uh, you know, by providing various uh, various tax benefits. And by the way, the genesis of the current exit tax started uh, in 1966 at exactly the same same time these non-resident alien tax rules began to attract capital into the United States. So, so the idea is to attract the capitals of the United States um, in a way that where it's taxed only in limited circumstances. And then the, the fact that the U.S. is not part of the CRS uh, means there's no information exchange. So it's actually possible for people to put their, you know, their capital in the United States and get a, you know, a decent return on it. The U.S. has good capital markets and, uh, you know, and, and not have to report that or at least, um, you know, with, the, with, with an expectation that the United States will not report the existence of that to another country. I mean, obviously, right. I'm presuming that, you know, as a matter of your local law, you're required to do it. But, you know, this is a, this is a big problem. Well, it is. And I, I personally know people who you do it, who are non-Americans. And what they do is they put their money in the United States and their respective countries, tax authorities know nothing about it. I mean, is that an argument for renouncing U.S. citizenship? Well, I, I don't know if it depends is, on the person. It's basically, it's basically you have to decide what you, you have to. I think it's you have to decide what you are. Are you somebody that the tax code? Are you? Can you take advantage of the tax code, or will you always be punished by it? And if you can't take advantage of it, if you can't find a way to take advantage of it and make it work for you. It's going to be hurting you, right? That's that's what it, it's either helping you or hurting you. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people. It actually helps tremendously. It actually can truly help people. <laughs> But then it hammers. I, I mean, I, I don't see how it helps any expat. There's not any 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 global investment. It, it, it can help. It helps people who invest in the U.S. That's who it helps. Well, that's right. And you know, on this point, um, you know, I just have this thought <laughs> that I want to add to what you're saying, Anthony. Is that if you look around, for example, as you know, I live in Canada. And there's a lot of back and forth, you know, obviously because of geography in Canada and the United States. There are people who uh, sort of focus on U.S. citizens living in Canada and what their issues are. And then there's a group of people who focus on, you know, what I would say, uh, getting people into the United States, you know, sort of pre-U.S. immigration planning. And what's fascinating to me is the world looks entirely different. Right. You know, those two people. So you have the people who want to go to the United States. Right. Because right. they are going to become U.S. tax residents in the United States. Yep. They don't have the problems of trying to live as a right. citizen outside the United States. And I think that people they fail to distinguish these two types of advisors. Right. 
you know, the, the types of people who are the, uh, you know, let's figure out how to retire in Florida group are absolutely not the people you want to be helping you on, I'm trying to survive as a U.S. citizen outside the United States group. <laughs> that's a great and, point. I mean, Absolutely. Because there's, I think there's a presumption that because somehow each of these people, you know, these two types of people have a certain degree of overlap, right, in terms of, you know, U.S. tax issues, et cetera, that they're doing the same thing. And they're not doing the same thing at all. You know, they're completely different. And the ones who are concerned only with getting them in, I mean, yeah, I agree that there are, you know, there, there, there's a bunch of issues, you know, in terms of getting them in, they have to worry about from a tax and an immigration point of view. But by far the biggest problem is trying to help the U.S. citizens who live outside the United States, because now this is the point. U.S. citizens living outside the United States are actually subjected to a separate and more punitive tax system than U.S. residents. But the ones who want to get into the United States are essentially joining the more benign tax system for resident Americans. And that's why these are entirely different groups of people. And ne never should they be confused. So if you're looking well, for, well, I would say this. for advisors, if you're looking for advisors, okay, actually, yeah. For yeah. People listening, you know, you want advisors who work with U.S. citizens or taxpayers who don't live in the United States. You do not want advisors who are focusing on how to get people in the United States. Yeah. Even though, you know, and I would say that, you know, Very living good point. Is, I, I would say this, living overseas as a U.S. person is a piece of cake if all your money is in the United States. I mean, it, it's <laughs> remarkably easy. Right. But it's that's not, not realistic. For right. the average American overseas, that's so not just realistic. be really wealthy and have all your stuff in the U.S. and you have no problems, right? That, that's all. Yeah, that's, that's right. But those are not people. I think we're talking about the people who are, you know, what I would call tax residents of other countries who, you know, have to interact with those other tax systems. But you do make a good point, Anthony. And we talk about, you know, the whole issue of change and the tax laws and the group of people who I would call retirees abroad, right? The ones who you know, are living off their U.S. pensions or whatever outside the United States are very, very suspicious uh, of a move to residence-based taxation because they're worried about treat being treat. They're worried about their U.S. source income being taxed them as though they're a non-resident alien, right? Very true. Yeah, oh, I do yeah. get. That's I did. There are concerns. on this whole thing. Uh, Keith, what other questions do we have? We want we we are coming near the end. Let's but we want to make sure we're answering. Yeah, questions. here's a little. Here's a question that I get a lot, and it's and it's I I think we need to squash any misinformation. What I get is this, and it's a twofold. Um, when an American overseas, accidental American, or whatever, gets a FATCA letter, okay, from their bank, and they complete the proper forms for that particular bank. They think in their mind they have entered the U.S. tax system, number one. Number two, some of these people, specifically accidental Americans, have never had a Social Security number. And they go and they get a Social Security number so they can satisfy their bank so their account isn't closed. They think that they may be entering the U.S. tax system as a result. What do you guys think about that? Are they actually in the U.S. tax system by those two actions well, or not I'll, 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 yeah i want to handle that first one the, the first question in, in the fact letter yeah yeah if you filled out that fact letter i could tell you what happened with that data that you filled out nothing the irs commissioner admitted all the FACA documents they got they didn't do anything with just like we predicted that they were getting things in a non-standard format how are they going to compile this massive data into to one database and the fact that they haven't so that they don't even know that you complied with the FACA letter. That's the fact. So whatever you wrote in that doesn't even matter. You, you could have wrote, you're the king of Siam. And you could have wrote one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine for your social security number, no one would know. Um, so that's what I would answer on that one. So I would say you're definitely not in the system because they don't even know. Check those statements. We, when we did a, we did a, um, we had a, a, a video on that earlier this summer. Chuck Redding is saying, yeah, yeah, we don't do anything with that, that, that FACA stuff. It yeah. goes all, you know, we haven't touched it. We don't even know. Right. Now, how about obtaining a social security number? 
Uh, that does not enter you, um, as far as I'm concerned. John, what do you say? I think the answers to all of your questions, Keith, are no, no, and no. I don't remember exactly what they were, but there were three, and each one. Was well, the fat. Well, it was actually two: the fatka letter, and it's no, you know, and no. It's, it's, it's no and no. Okay. Yeah, because I get a lot of people asking so these I, questions. But on the me. narrow question you're asking, uh, yes, have they entered the U.S. tax system? The answer is no. Um, but you know, the banks, as I understand it, are. So step one is, you know, do you admit to being American? You know, you've got a U.S. birthplace, which, yeah. which is just a problem. problem. The problem is that if you admit to being American, then you're supposed to have a Social Security number, right? And as I understand in Netherlands, for example, there's this issue of people being dropped from the banks uh, because they, they don't or can't get a Social Security number. Um I think that, uh, you know, this is another reason why people ought to, ought to renounce U.S. citizenship. I yeah. really do. It's, you know, life, life, life is too difficult. And I wouldn't worry about it so much from the, from the tax perspective as I would from the perspective of, you know, I mean, how much you like you know, invest in whether you're allowed to have a goddamn bank account like every other person in the rest of the world. It's just not worth it. Or to be able to retire. What's have a next to change yeah. their focus? I really, I really think that people need to, um, you know, stop concentrating on the obvious injustice and all this and just get out of it, okay? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, why do you want to be a citizen of a country that right. does this to people anyway? It, and, and I would say if you, are, if you are not living in the U.S. working overseas, renounce. Renounce. There's nothing good for you. There's nothing good for you here. If you yeah. want to take advantage of the greatest tax shelter in the world and have the abilities, then fully become a U.S. person and embrace it and love it. But if you're trying to be a regular person overseas, making it day to day with the crazy surprises. I mean, these people are crazy with the things they put in there. We didn't even talk about the transition. Yeah. And we and never know what's going to happen in the future. What other future? Know anything know. that we live in, and, and we're lawless. There's no oversight. There's no nothing. The IRS does this stuff. See what happens. They do something wrong. Oh, well, let's try again. There's no justice. There's no nothing. And the vast majority of the U.S. tax compliance industry yeah. doesn't care about you. They're and remember, Anthony, it's, it's not just it's not just the IRS because they're the enforcement arm. It's also what bill may come up that goes into law with Congress. Oh, right. That we have no idea. Anything right. is on the table. And it's not even intentional. I mean, any as long as citizenship taxation exists, any tax law has the potential to do damage to U.S. citizens. But, Keith, I just thought of something I want to add to that answer about, you know, dealing with the banks, okay? So yeah. the problem is, of course, if, if you have a U.S. birthplace, right, and, you know, you're kind of stuck with a thing. Fat IGAs do have a curing provision for that. Uh, you know, if you don't have a certificate of loss of nationality. Um, and basically, and this is an oversimplification, but if you have a relinquishing act prior to June, June 3rd, 2004, and if you can write this up properly, uh, you may be able to cure the U.S. birthplace. Yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't apply to everybody, but I have successfully help people with that well, i've seen it done through you and also others i've seen that done yeah i mean it does again it doesn't apply to everybody but you know that's right. a you know a possible way of managing it i mean it doesn't um you know what it does is it solves the problem vis-a-vis -vis the bank one last thing keith that that you've not asked about yes uh, but i think people ought to be aware of is this that and I'm seeing more and more of this, okay? Uh, you know, people do die, right? And <laughs> it is, it's not great to die as a U.S. citizen living outside the United States. Oh, yeah. For a lot of reasons. Yeah. And also, people often have spouses, you know? And those spouses mm -hmm. often die, too. This happens. And, you know, I see a lot of, sort of U.S. citizens who think they're below the $2 million net worth thing, and then a spouse dies, they inherit it all, then they're over the $2 million, uh, you know, and could be subject to exit taxes. So, again, I really, I really, 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 uh, here we are at the end of 2022. Um, I, I feel 
almost a responsibility to be much more vocal about the benefits of renunciation, all right, you know, than, than I have previously. I mean, this is a very, very big problem. I've seen so many people's lives just irreparably damaged uh, because of this, and I think they should be getting out. I really do. And I want to, I want to add a couple of, um, a couple of things to add to that, and really, it's something I would add from from a practitioner standpoint. Why renouncing is if you're living overseas makes a lot of sense. Is the unpredictable? It's unpredictable. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you what's going to happen here. They are making stuff up and they just do these things and they go crazy. And we try to undo what the IRS does. And there's a big fight. Maybe we're successful. Maybe we're not. But the they, they are so unpredictable, wild, unaccountable. They don't they don't. And they always go after the weak thing. They don't go after the, the, the people who are hard. Yeah. Additionally, and, and, and to tie on what you said, you like people don't realize they go over these levels. Something that's going to be happening, it's happening in the U.S., it's happening around the world to a greater degree, is inflation. So you have 8% inflation after a few years. Yeah, you weren't underneath. Yeah, you didn't have, your property wasn't worth that. But now on paper, oh, they say it goes over that because they just printed more money and now you have to pay the price. So what's the harm? And this is the thing, you know, and I've talked to a lot of clients who are like, look, I, I love the U.S. I feel I can't believe I'm actually going to do this, but I feel nothing towards it. And it's like that's where you say, you know what, I'm more of an individual than, 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 than um, someone who's a subject. I've had enough. Yeah. And you walk. Oh, and to inflation, I would add exchange rate risk. OK, you know, you yeah, it's also yeah. huge. There you go. I'll give you a very simple example on this. Uh, in 2011, <coughs> the Canadian U.S. dollar were, I think, at par. Um, this is 2022. I don't know where it is, but I think it's about 75 cents or something, or maybe 80 cents. But the point is that um, as the Canadian dollar falls, right, uh, the threshold essentially increases for people, right, you know. But it goes up and down. So you've got inflation, you've got exchange rate risk, uh, you know, all all kinds of stuff. And um, you know, it's it, it's a very sad thing. All right, it's yeah. a very sad thing. But I think people need to face up to the world they live in, and not yeah. totally imagine it to be. Yeah, very and, good yeah, point. Yeah, I do the the exchange risk huge. That is a really great point. And it's separate from inflation because it yeah. could be kind of a, a backwards sort of contraindication of that, too. Um, yeah, I have, so, to, I have know, to, to say just to get anything else. Oh, Keith, what else no, do we have I just you, you know what I'm getting from both of your um, answers and dialogue is that if you're an American and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, if you're an American overseas or accidental American, an American immigrant with an E, don't automatically do something. Do your research. Do make sure that you're doing what's best for you. There's no cookie cutter approach. Oh, oh, well, I think I actually go further. I think I actually go further, Keith, because I think at one point I will say this. If you are a U.S. immigrant with a business overseas, yeah, fault assumption must be renounced. Someone needs yes. to tell you why Agreed. you should stay in here. Yeah. why you should stay in here and yeah. the compliance cost come on you know for someone with a with someone with an llc you know a tax return we're doing this you know 11 20 or something like that yeah. it could be six eight hundred dollars for a tax return for a business tax return right you you take that same information and throw it on a 5471 okay we got eight thousand dollars who knows and we and have if, penalties if it, something's not right, right so right. i mean night and same amount you could you might not even have revenue and then yeah. you could be making nothing. You, your your exchange rate stinks so much, you know that that your ten thousand dollars worth of compliance cost with the IRS is actually costing you more like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it the could people, be ruinous. I look at their books. I'm like, okay, look, just for you to file your return, I'm going to be taking about half of your income. You know, I don't know yeah. if you want to get into the system, my friend. I don't know if you and, really want to do that. You're not going to have right. anything left. And that's why John said, you know, uh, a renunciation is an investment in your future. And if you can't afford the fee right now to renounce, it's best to take out a personal loan and look at it as an investment of you living a normal life moving forward. Yeah. Wow. You yes. know, it, I do think that it is true. And 
although this might sound like it's intended to be humorous, it is it might sound humorous, but I'm very, very serious. Uh, with few exceptions, with few, there's always exceptions, but with few exceptions, renouncing U.S. citizenship for a U.S. citizen living outside the United States is the single most best financial investment they can ever make. Uh, yeah. It will pay dividends like every second, you know, uh, for, for the rest of your life. I mean, I do understand that, you know, there are other issues, but the... The existing problems, I mean, the way I look at it is this. The existing problems are very, very bad. They have not improved. All right. Yeah. I see parallels to 2011, you know, this emphasis, you know, and sort of, you know, trying to find tax cheats, et cetera. You know, we have the Democrats again. All right. You know, who's the party that's going to, you know, that deliberately goes after Americans abroad. Um, you know, and I also... You know, as painful as it is for me to say this, and I mean no ill will towards anybody, absolutely, but I do not think that uh, there, I don't think that there's much support for severing citizenship from tax residency. No. Anywhere. No. Yeah. You know, I think no. Keith, no, and, no, and, and, and just, to, and just Keith, I just want to quickly, I want to introduce is that for those who are looking like, well, maybe, you know, if we get different people, we vote for different people, the other side comes in. Well, let me just point this out to you. Um, it was Kevin McCarthy who put that transition tax in there. 965. Yeah, yeah. That, that guy, he was a Republican, is a Republican, and he put that piece of garbage in there. So if you're thinking that there's like a Republican on your side who's going to come to the rescue, yeah, good luck with that. Good luck. Um, they don't care, and you are just... They don't care. They don't care. That's the big yeah. thing. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah. That transition tax was is so insane. Those people should be in prison. Right. Um, and and who knew what was coming? That's the point. Who knew that was coming? So who knows right. what's going to come next year? You know? Right. How do we know oh, what's going to come next year? Okay. It's, I mean, everybody has a problem with the U.S. tax code in the sense that we don't know what's coming. But it has particularly uh, vile repercussions when it's applied to people who don't live in the United States, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Our tax residents of other countries. Yeah. Um, now, look. I do think there are people who should retain U.S. citizenship. I do think there are. Sure. And these are people. Well, if you're working overseas with Microsoft or something, sure. Well, it's not but a for their financial footprint is in the U.S. But for this average, yeah. right? For most of these people who don't have, who don't aren't interested in this, don't want to try to understand it, don't have the money for expensive, you know, a tax advice if they can even find it. It seems to me they fall into two groups. The first group are people who do have some assets from hard work, and they need to renounce to protect those assets. The second group are the people who have nothing and have no assets, and they need to renounce so they can accumulate some assets. In Good point. summary, as I have been saying for years, but I'm just feeling more vocal about it today, yeah. all roads lead to renunciation. Yeah, And you're not only protecting yourself, you're also protecting your loved ones. By doing it, your yeah, wife, your husband. Can you imagine renouncing U.S. citizenship? The most loving. How about how about a Valentine's Day? Here you go, right? <laughs> Valentine's Day. I renounce, yeah, honey. Yeah, you open an How a man goes to his wife, <laughs> inside a box, all you know, nice stuff, and says, "Oh, my love, open this." She opens it, and what is it? <laughs> The C-O-N. C-O-N. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and that uh, the most romantic night of their, their night follows. Not, not, not a that. diamond is forever, but a C-O-N is oh, forever. Oh, that's, you know, that's, what, that's what the lady really wanted. <laughs> anyway, what the, what the U.S. has done to America is, is indescribably despicable and disgusting. It is. And, it is. Uh, it is terrible. Uh, and there is no change. There is no advocates. There is nothing. There is nothing. Well, we, well, we try to do the best we can, you know, to advocate. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, there you know, are... it's like there, there's, there's like six of us, I think, right? We're half yeah. of the team right here. Uh, 
Right. There's not a exactly. there's not a lot. No, we I mean we do have a That's lot of people right. on the side. There there is no but, support. And let me tell you why this is. I mean, it's fascinating. There's no support for actually doing what needs to be done, which is no. different tax residency. Good lord, no. Because nobody has it as their prime focus. We have the bank account type. We're just concerned with being able to get a bank account. You know, we have the people who, you know, think that by raising, you know, the foreign earned income exclusion or something, they're not concerned with severing citizenship. Or, you know, they're just concerned with their own situation. The problem is everybody's concerned with their problem, however it's affecting them, rather than the problem, which is citizenship taxation. And a lot of the bigger sort of lobbying groups who are supposed to be working on this are absolutely positively not defining the goal of severing citizenship from tax residency. It's something else. So get out now. <laughs> I echo that. And we got to go here. We're out of time. I want to keep this a few years. Now, this is an episode I have on here. Uh, there's an old, old episode. I'm going to try to link that in the description. Hopefully I don't forget. Uh, my friend Ryan Sokash, we brought him through the entire Streamline pro uh, program, and he renounced. That was years ago. Uh, yeah. He's happy now. He's happy now. And you can find it. I'll have a link to his channel. Uh, it's history. He's doing great. He's doing a lot of history things. YouTube is jamming. And he's doing, he's a lot more productive now. I call him and he's like, I don't even think about this stuff anymore. I can't tell you how wonderful it is. I don't think about it 5471. I'm not up late at night wondering it's, about penalties. It's, it's, it's unicorns and rainbows for him. Like, you know, it's the creation of a new life. I mean, people yeah. don't realize how overlaw and how bureaucratic the United States is. I mean, it is, it's just over the top. I mean, of course, there are some countries that are worse. But there's a lot that are better, okay? Yeah, and that's the main point here. Yeah, that is that is for sure. All right, so with well, that, I uh, thank you, gentlemen, for answering these questions. This is going to be very good for a lot of well, people. Well, I, I, Keith, I really appreciate this because I think it coalesces our our response because we've been watching this and trying to hope that there's going to be a Calvary coming. There isn't. There is not. Wise up. If you are an expat business owner with a lot of things overseas, it's time to either talk to John or me or somebody like well, us. There is the lawsuit. Okay. I mean, we are bringing the lawsuit. All right. right. My point is simply this, that there are people working on getting rid of this, okay, in various ways, but it is not a critical mass of people. Yeah. It is not the strength right. in numbers that is required here. So, so I'm it's not guaranteed. I wonder if Americans just don't love citizenship taxation. You know, right. that's good. I don't know. Yeah, and you have people that, you know, certainly should go to you and John, but I have people that do come to me where I can be that initial individual to kind of ascertain what direction they need to go in. So it's important to just step back and gather as much information as possible. The time, yeah, this, there is no better, there's no better time to renounce than, than yesterday. Um, today's, <laughs> today's second best, and I think that's really where we're at. Um, no, actually, on that point, Sir John Templeton, you know, one of the greatest human beings and investors of all time, who really invented the concept of the foreign mutual fund. Well, two, two points, okay. First of all, the uh, subpart F regime, which is the precursor to Gildian transition tax, came into law in 1962. Could you believe it? In 1964, he renounced U.S. citizenship. Who could have no known? No way. Absolutely. One of the wisest men in history renounced. But the second question, you know, he was often asked was, when's the best time to invest? And he said, well, you know, whenever you have money, because he wasn't interested in trying to time markets. So, Anthony, I'm going to ask you a question. When's the best time to renounce U.S. citizenship? When you can. Exactly. <laughs> On that note. Thank you very much. Keith, John, a great episode. And please, uh, folks, leave your questions below. And we'll be answering some of the comments uh, in our next episode. Thanks again so much for joining us today. This is the time right now. <laughs> Thanks again.